News. Talking about news. Hey, Michael Che, did you hear today? That's all in the Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Each week I will review one entry in the bibliography of Stephen King in the chronological order of publication is what I normally say, except this week what I'm going to do, I am going to just catch up on a lot of news regarding Stephen King, upcoming Stephen King projects, adaptations, uh, his upcoming novels, and just get all of us on the same page. And I'm sorry uh, for anyone tuning in that was looking forward to an actual review, uh, but it has been a while. Last time I recorded an episode was January, uh, mid to early January, and I have been so booked lately that I have felt bad that I haven't been able to, to put anything out there. So I just wanted to spend some time to just say hi, everyone. I hope that February treated you all right. I hope that everyone had a nice and loving and happy Valentine's Day, and if you didn't, um, well, I, I, I'm wishing you the best, and I'm sending out my love to, to you, so I, I hope that you can at least bask um, in that, and you know, I hope that we are all enjoying the winter as much as we can, and we're looking ahead towards the spring. I know that I am, because for me personally, the spring is going to bring more time that I will have on my hands to put out new episodes of not just the Stephen King cast, but... Uh, Hanging with Agent Cooper, a uh, retrospective look on uh, Twin Peaks The Return or Twin Peaks Season 3. So I have mentioned that in the last two episodes of the Stephen King cast that I would be having a uh, another podcast out there. And I assure all of you I am doing all of the work that I possibly can to make sure that when I do launch Hanging with Agent Cooper, it will not take the place of the Stephen King cast. Now that I know that it's, uh, if you don't believe me, I completely understand why, because the podcast as it stands has not been regular. Um, part of that is because the time that I have had, I have been doing a lot of pre-work on hanging with agent Cooper. So here is my plan. I don't know if it's going to work out or not. I need to, I need to get more episodes under my belt, but if everything goes according to plan, that I'm going to launch the podcast for Hanging with Agent Cooper um, on the anniversary of the premiere of Twin Peaks The Return. And then every episode review will take place um, on the one-year anniversary of that particular episode. And I'll, it will run the course of the, the 18 episodes, and then I'll probably have um, just sort of wrap-up general thoughts, and then the show hanging with agent cooper will conclude at the time being if there is uh, if it's popular enough and people like it then i i might dovetail that into a a retrospective look on all of twin peaks um but i'm not going to get ahead of myself i just want to get my thoughts out about twin peaks the return now that we're basically a year out from when it premiered Um, because it's it's definitely worth thinking about. Um, I can't stop thinking about it. Much like the original Twin Peaks, I can't stop thinking about season three or Twin Peaks The Return. So I want to get my thoughts out there and that's the plan for that. In terms of the Stephen King cast, what we can look forward to um, is this. I am currently making my way through the episodes of Mr. Mercedes that I did not get through um, this fall. Uh, Listeners will know that I reviewed episodes one and two and 
surprisingly, because I had hated the book, I really enjoyed what they were doing, they meaning David E. Kelly and Jack Bender, what they were doing with uh, Mr. Mercedes, and I was upset that I didn't have a chance to finish it off. And those of you who are listening for the first time and you're hearing this click-clacking occurring in the background, please understand that that is my one of my two furry co-hosts who like to make appearances on the show. So, hi, maybe. How are you tonight? Um, but going back to Mr. Mercedes... Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I I never finished it, but I'm making my way through it. I just watched episode three yesterday. I will finish watching episode four tonight. I'll get all of my notes on that, and then when I have um, gotten enough under my belt, I will start recording episodes about that, um, and that will take us through the the spring. Um, And then, uh, obviously, we have uh, Castle Rock to look forward to. So Castle Rock, once that airs, that will be... Uh, a weekly endeavor for me on the podcast. So that's something to to look forward to. Other things to look forward to um, with the Stephen King cast is my re-examination of all the stories that I never got around to for Skeleton Crew, for Nightmares and Dreamscapes, for Just After Sunset, for Everything's Eventual. Um, And so that that will definitely uh, take us for, for quite a while. Once we hit summer, there are some interviews that I would like to get around to with people that um, have been very, very patient. Um, I did not get around to interviewing last summer, so I would like to do that this summer. So as we start to head towards the spring, um, though the, the fall and the winter has been a appropriately dead season for uh, me airing episodes, life will begin again. And uh, along with the seasons, so will my podcasting. So not only will you get uh, a lot of the Stephen King cast, you will also be getting Hanging with Agent Cooper, a Twin Peaks retrospective. So there's going to be a lot of stuff out there for you guys. So just keep your ears open um, and I'll, I'll let you know when you can subscribe to uh, Hanging with Agent Cooper on iTunes. I'm very excited to to delve into the world of, of David Lynch, um, much in the, the way that I've delved into the world of Stephen King. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. So like I said, what I'm going to be doing today, I'm going to be going into uh, all of the news that's fit to print um, regarding Stephen King and Stephen King-related projects. But before I get any further, what I want to do, I want to share some emails that have come my way lately. I don't want to leave anyone hanging. So up first, we have Tony, who writes, Hi, I've just listened to the first two shows. Yes, I have some catching up to do. So um, had a look on IMDb and found another version of Carrie, a TV movie from 2002. Have you seen it? I can't imagine it's very good. Otherwise, I'm thinking he would have reviewed it. It's on Netflix, but I'm convinced it will be an hour and a half wasted. Um, To answer your question, Tony, I have seen parts uh, when it did air, but uh, it's Brian Fuller, right? I want to say that it's Brian. It's somebody that actually has made a name for themselves for all of the right reasons. Um, but no, I, 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 I have not paid much attention to it. I have not put a lot of stock in it. Um, I can't say whether or not I will ever get to it. I currently don't have any plans to, but once I have exhausted all other reviews, I, who knows? I might really start scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, so Tony continues, my first Stephen King was Christine when I was 15. And like you, when I got a hold of it, I devoured it in about a week. For me, his scariest scene is in Bag and Bones when Mike is going down the wooden steps into the cellar and feels his presence there. Spooky. Okay, I'm off to binge listen. I'm glad I found your show. Cheers, Tony. Tony, thank you for writing in. I really appreciate it. Um, And Bag of Bones is an unsung uh, song of of terror. It's really an unsettling story. Revisiting it 
um, was something that I, I really, really enjoyed. It is one of his, just in terms of the right of writing um, in the prose, it is one of his better ones. And it has, uh, you know, an old school, um, you know, gothic, it's, a, it's an old school gothic romance, a gothic horror. Uh, it's just tinged with death and dread and love and loss. And it, it haunts you much in the way that the, uh, the, the spirits of Sarah Laugh's uh, haunt Mike himself. Up next, we have Franklin, who writes, Hi there. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've been listening to it for several years now. The analysis is top shelf. It's definitely one of my favorite podcasts, and I ascribe to over 100. Especially, thank Okay, so thank you. Um, th- that, that is some really high praise. I really appreciate it, Franklin. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's especially good for someone like me who is lazy, undisciplined reader, who doesn't want to read or even listen to a bunch of audiobooks when I have the time. I'm still very interested in knowing about these works and cherry-picking the ones that appeal most to me based on your review. If I heard you write on the latest episode, you're starting a Twin Peaks podcast? I'm a big fan of that show and Lynch in general, so I'm very much looking forward to it. However, my only concern is there is a plethora of Twin Peaks podcasts already out there. Most of them aren't good in my opinion, so I think your critical analysis would be welcome and I would definitely listen. Um, so just to speak of that, yes, there are a ton um, and some are really, really good. Peaks TV was great. Um, uh, uh, Twin Peaks podcast, a podcast about Twin Peaks was great. Uh, Fire Talk with me was always fun. So there's, there's yes, there are some great uh, Twin Peaks podcasts out there. One thing that I will be able to bring to it is that all of the other podcasts were produced um, episode by episode during the the run of Twin Peaks: The Return. Um, so no one had the the final picture when reviewing the each episode. Now that we are months and months away from the uh, the final episode and and the full story, I'll be able to examine each chapter. Um, and fit it into the context of the greater picture. So that, that's what I'll be able to, to add to it. Um, so uh, Franklin continues, however, I would personally prefer, prefer you to analyze another author that you enjoy. Bradbury, Lovecraft, Gaiman, Isamoff, and Philip K. Dick come to mind if you like any of them. I'll listen either way, but I just wanted to make that suggestion. Also, have you heard of the podcast Kurt Vonnegut's? I, re- I view that podcast to be a companion piece of yours as they're both deep dives into my two favorite authors. Just thought I'd mention if you're a Vonnegut fan. If not, so it goes. Um, so a couple of things there. One, um, to the uh, host or hosts of Kurt Vonnegut's, that is a fantastic title, um, and you should win some sort of award for that. I am not a major fan of Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, I did go through a Kurt Vonnegut phase um, where I, I absorbed a lot of his works, um, I, I, and I, I can't speak highly enough of Kurt Vonnegut. He he packs so much into so little space. Uh, his books are always so thin and breezy, but just packed with so much truth. Um, and uh, I, I like I like the fact that you said for those of you who know uh, who are in the know. If not, so it goes. Um, so I, 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 I don't have enough cred to actually tackle Kurt Vonnegut. I am a fan of Kurt Vonnegut, and um, if I ever get around again to revisiting Kurt Vonnegut, I will definitely check out Kurt Vonnegut's. Anyway, I can't thank you enough for passing countless hours of work and driving for me with great entertainment. Thank you, Franklin.
Then we have Andrew who writes, Dear Constant Reader, I've been listening to your podcast for the last few months since my interest in Stephen King was rekindled by the 2017 adaptation of It. I've been going through your old episodes on books I have read. I've listened to your episode on Mr. Mercedes and Finders Keepers. However, when I got to listen to episode 128 of End of Watch, I got an error message that episode is unavailable. This happens whether trying to download it from my phone or online to the podcast website. This happened a few times with episodes before. I'm not sure if it's just a temporary glitch with the hosting site or if you have any control over it. If you know of a solution, please let me know. Um, so I just I wanted to read this particular portion of the email to everyone in case you are having issues. If you have been having issues like this, please let me know because otherwise I wouldn't be aware of, of any Thing like this, I need to let the, the server host know that there is trouble downloading um, particular episodes. I, as soon as I got this, I tried downloading the end of watch episode. I re released the episode, I downloaded the, 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 the file, I re uploaded it, um, and it worked. But then Andrew said that it still wasn't working. So, for anyone having an issue, I went to the the actual website, www.podbean.com backslash Stephen Kingcast. Is that the website? But that's where I, whatever the website is, that's what I went and I was able to, to download the, I was actually to download the, the physical file um, onto my computer and then I played it through iTunes. So that worked for me. Um, and if you are really, really needing to listen to one of my episodes and it's not working, that that's a, a workaround that did work for me. If you still can't do it, or if you just if it's not working on iTunes um, and a reset um, and, and restarting your phone or your computer doesn't work, then definitely let me know because I need to let Podbean know that my episodes are, are not available to stream. Um, and then Andrew continues a few comments on the Bill Hodges trilogy. Although I enjoyed Mr. Mercedes a good deal more than you did. I can see many of the points you made. Uh, Brady is derivative. Uh, Hodges is somewhat of a lackluster hero, and Jerome's slave dialect is cringy. I also think the books get better with each installment, which is why I'm so anxious to hear the episodes of End of Watch. I guess for me, I think of Hodges, Jerome, and Olivia as a group of underdogs, sort of like a mini losers club. They're all so different from each other that throwing them together makes for some interesting interactions. Also, while Brady is not the most original character, rather than just a pastiche of past Stephen King villains, I think of him as a combination of the typical sexually disturbed serial killer and recent mass murder murderers um, who were very intelligent but had extreme social anxiety and hatred towards women. But rather than just snapping in a psychotic episode, Brady seems to plan his violence more carefully, and he does it over time rather than a single incident which makes him more dangerous and disturbing. I guess he's as close as you can get to a realistic supervillain. And I would agree. I, uh, which is too bad why, um, why uh, my, my end of watch episode wasn't streaming. So hopefully, Andrew, you were able to, to listen to it by now. If not, just let me know. Um, then we have Tom and Amber who write, Hi, um, I'm Tom and I've been a Stephen King fan since I was a preteen and have recently rekindled my love for his work and have recently become obsessed with his work with a better understanding. I read a, quite a few books of his before starting the Dark Tower series and actively avoided it. However, I took a couple of months and read the entire series and have become enamored with it. Your breakdown of The Gunslinger was phenomenal. Thank you for putting out a podcast that has a great breakdown of his books. I am subscribing. However, I will only listen to the ones I have read, but Anything King is phenomenal. You have rekindled my want, my need to read Anything King. Thank you very much. So, Tom, thank you for writing in and... Um, you know, I'm glad that, you know, my podcast at times for some people has made, uh, you know, readers go back and, and revisit King. I think that that is, that is fantastic. 
Now we have Candice who writes, um, Hello, I've only recently discovered podcasts in general and yours in particular, so this is very after-the-fact email. On my lunch hour today, I listened to your cast Top 10 Most Painful Moments and agreed with many of them, most especially, spoiler alert, I'm not even going to say, but especially she mentions one particular character. This is one death that slayed me. What I didn't agree with was your spoiler alert for Cujo. And guys, please, I'm trying so hard for spoiler alerts now because I've gotten so much criticism that I don't do it. So um, trying, guys, I'm trying. So spoiler alert for Cujo. Um, What I didn't agree was your characterization of Todd Trenton's death as needless and unnecessary. I believe that you voiced the same opinion in your podcast about Cujo. And uh, Candace continues, your opinion is not a new one, and being a rabid King fan, nice pun, I've encountered it from others and always argue heartily against it. I know King himself feels he may have gone a little too far in allowing that child to die, but I have always felt that his death was the only way to end the story. I know we get a few more pages devoted to the aftermath, but those pages are what I have always found unnecessary. I remember being outraged when I saw the movie at the lack of fortitude on the part of the director to allow Todd to live. Chicken! In a situation he never would have survived, his survival would have reeked of deus ex machina. I have been reading Stephen King ever since Carrie was published, and although I don't love all of his work equally, I do love it all, even the occasional clunker. What I love about his writing is how he pulls no punches. People die. You mention how necessary, spoiler alert for Pet Cemetery. you mention how necessary Gage Creed's death in Pet Cemetery is. I would argue that Todd's death is equally necessary. When an author shies away from the death of a child when, it's only, when the only possible outcome I feel cheated. Does it hurt? Of course. But real writing makes us feel, and feelings aren't always pleasant. King has writing balls of steel in this regard. He never backs down or away from what would logically happen. He excels at killing his darlings. I'm sorry for the length of this email. I feel like I could write much, much more, but for your sake, I should stop. I really enjoy your podcast and look forward to not only catching up, but keeping current. Thank you, Candace. Candace, thank you for writing in. Um, you make really strong points and arguments. I still happen to feel that um, Tad's death uh, still is unnecessary. Um, I just think it's, I think it's a mean, mean book, um, more mean-spirited than uh, his, his books tended to be. Oh, there's one last thing that, that um, Candace writes. P.S., your podcast about Storm of the Century is one of my favorite things I've ever listened to. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, so that is all of the emails that I have. And then now what I'm going to do, I am going to read some, some news um, about Stephen King. So from Bloody Disgusting... Um, There was a a recent article in January, so I guess not that recent, but um, new Stephen King novel, The Outsider, coming in May. Plot details. So as you know, we have a new um, Stephen King uh, book coming out. I've mentioned it before, but I haven't talked about what the premise is. So that's another thing that we get to look forward to in the spring. We don't expect, so bloody from Bloody Disgusting, we don't expect this year, um, and the author is John Squires of Bloody Disgusting, we don't expect this year to be quite as Stephen King heavy as last year. After all, 2017 saw the release of too many King projects to even keep track of, but we are happy to report that a brand new King novel is heading our way this coming spring. On May 22nd, Scriber will release The Outsider, the prolific author's latest novel. In the 576-page novel... An unspeakable crime, a confounding investigation. At a time when the King brand has never been stronger, he has delivered one of his most unsettling and compulsively readable stories. 
An 11-year-old boy's violated corpse is found in a town park. Eyewitnesses and fingerprints point unmistakably to one of Flint City's most popular citizens. He is Terry Maitland, Little League coach, English teacher, husband, and father of two girls. Detective Ralph Anderson, whose son Maitland once coached, orders a quick and very public arrest. Maitland has an alibi, but Anderson and the district attorney soon add DNA evidence to go with fingerprints and witnesses. Their case seems ironclad. As the investigation expands and horrifying answers begin to emerge, King's propulsive story kicks into high gear, generating strong tension and almost unbearable suspense. Terry Maitland seems like a nice guy, but is he wearing another face? When the answer comes, it will shock you only as Stephen King can, the book promises. Um, And that is The Outsider. So the question is, um, is this purely a crime thriller or will there be a supernatural component to to it? Um, will it be, uh, you know, some sort of possession or demon walking the streets? Or uh, is this more um, Mr. Mercedes? Because right now, King, um, as far back as a good marriage uh, in the in the early two thousands, King started to look toward um, detective stories. And um, almost immediately after a good marriage, he he produced the the Mercedes trilogy. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's still dabbling in that particular genre. Um, and then from Sci-Fi Wire, um, the author being I don't have the author. Unfortunately, so I do apologize. Don Kay, I do have the author. Uh, Don Kay writes, Stephen King announces his second book of 2018. Does Stephen King ever sleep? The 70-year-old author has just announced a new book, his second of 2018, called Elevation. This 144-page novella will be published on October 30th, just over five months after his other 2018 book, The Outsider, arrives in May. Like his recent novella, Gwendy's Button Box, Elevation is set in King's signature town of Castle Rock, Maine, and is described by its publisher as a riveting, extraordinarily eerie, and moving story about a man whose mysterious affliction brings a small town together, and a timely, upbeat tale about finding common ground despite deep-rooted differences. The publisher adds that it's an antidote to our divisive culture as gloriously joyful with a tinge of deep sadness as It's a Wonderful Life. Here's a more detailed synopsis, courtesy of King's official website. Although Scott Carey doesn't look any different, he's been steadily losing weight. There are a couple... Oh, there's a uh, Stephen Kingism right there of, uh, of characters losing weight unexpectedly. There are a couple of other odd things, too. He weighs the same in his clothes and out of them, no matter how heavy they are. Scott doesn't want to be poked and prodded. He mostly just wants someone else to know, and he trusts Dr. Bob Ellis. In the small town of Castle Rock, the setting of many King's most iconic stories, Scott is engaged in a low-grade but escalating battle with the lesbians next door whose dog regularly drops his business on Scott's lawn. One of the women is friendly, the other cold as ice. Both are trying to launch a new restaurant, but the people of Castle Rock want no part of a gay married couple, and the place is in trouble. When Scott finally understands the prejudices they face, including his own, he tries to help. Unlikely alliances, the annual foot race, and the mystery of Scott's affliction bring out the best in people who have indulged the worst in themselves and others. Um, Elevation sounds less like a straight horror and more like the magical realism of King's tales like The Green Mile. It also appears to swing in the opposite direction um, from The Outsider, the synopsis of which almost reads the dark flip side to Elevation's somewhat more hopeful-sounding narrative. It's not one of King's epics. 
The Outsider, by contrast, runs 576 pages. But it fits a recent pattern in which King has been releasing two titles a year, one in full-size novel and one a shorter work or collection. And while we can't say that every recent publication has been a home run, the man's work is always consistently readable. The good news is that King doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon and will continue to be well represented on TV and at the movies, with Hulu's Castle Rock, a sequel to It, a Pet Cemetery remake, a second seat of Mr. Mercedes, and an adaptation of Dr. Sleep all on the way. And now you can add elevation to the King goodness coming your way this year. So this is one that I'm really, really excited about. Um, I, I, I love the fact that, that King is turning his attention to homophobia and prejudices and um, just the other issues that we're facing in 2018. Um, and I think that it might make a good companion piece uh, to his son, Joe Hill's uh, Strange Weather Collection, which came out uh, in, in October of 2017. So it'll be one year after the publication of that book. Um, and that book was a very, very timely um powerful collection of short novels and that was one of the last things that I had reviewed on the Stephen King cast and then we have some news on Dr. Sleep um, from Variety uh, written by Dave McNary who writes, Warner Brothers has launched development of Stephen King's 2013 horror novel Dr. Sleep, a sequel to King's iconic 1977 story The Shining the studio has hired Oculus director Mike Flanagan to help helm and rewrite the script originally adapted by Akiva Goldsman. Hmm. Flanagan's producing partner Trevor Macy will produce, along with Vertigo Entertainment's John Berg. Goldman is an executive producer. Hmm. Kevin McCormick is overseeing for the studio. Dr. Sleep is centered on the Danny Torrance character from The Shining, carrying the trauma from the events of the Overlook Hotel into his adulthood. Warner Brothers released the movie The Shining, starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Danny Lloyd, and Scatman Crothers in the 1980s. Nicholson stars Jack Torrance, a writer who agrees to become a caretaker of the Overlook Hotel in Colorado during its off-season. Duvall played his wife Wendy, and Lloyd played his son Danny. Flanagan and Macy collaborate on the Netflix adaptation of the King novel Gerald's Game which stars uh, Carla Giugino and are in production on the series The Haunting of Hill House, also for Netflix. Okay, here are my thoughts. This movie's going to be bad, and I don't like saying that because um, Mike Flanagan's attached to it, and I thought that uh, Gerald's game was really, really good. Uh, and you can tell the love that he has of Stephen King, and I love the fact that he is going after Dr. Sleep. Uh, when I had heard about this, I kind of perused my, my notes on uh, my reread of Dr. Sleep, and I found myself becoming an advocate for it because it gets trashed a lot because it's not The Shining, but it's not supposed to be The Shining. Um, it has its own voice and its own story to tell. Um, so if you want all of my thoughts on Dr. Sleep and, and the argument that I make for it, you can just head back and, and listen to it. So my concern for this movie has nothing to do with Flanagan. It has to do with two things, the screenwriter and executive producer, um, both of whom share the name Akiva Goldsman. Um, and I was willing to give Akiva Goldsman the benefit of the doubt last year um, heading into the Dark Tower. But after the Dark Tower, I just I, I don't want him anywhere near anything that I happen to enjoy. Uh, so I, I, I hope that I am wrong, um, but my bet would be that... Um, this probably won't be great. So for all of my thoughts on The Dark Tower, 
you can get my review of the Dark Tower. Uh, just look for that particular episode. Oh, man. I think that the Doctor Sleep movie could be good, too. And then from Rolling Stone, um, in an article written by Joyce Chen, uh, we have Stephen King's Pet Cemetery taps starry-eyes directors for remake. The latest Stephen King classic to get an on-screen revival will be Pet Cemetery. It was announced Tuesday, and this was October 31st, uh, 2017. So Starry Eyes directors Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer will helm a remake of the 90, 1989 flick with Jeff Buhler and, um, I can't pronounce the last name, penning the script. Based on a 1983 King novel of the same name, Pet Cemetery tells the story of a pet cemetery built on Native American burial ground in Maine with a family who moves into the new home next to it. Spooky supernatural occurrences abound. The original, which starred Dale Midriff, Fred Gwynn, and Denise Crosby, grossed an impressive $57 million on an $11 million budget, though its 1992 sequel, Pet Cemetery 2, was well less received. According to Entertainment Weekly, several other major filmmakers initially expressed interest in the Pet Cemetery project, including IT director Andy Muschietti and horror veteran Guillermo del Toro. My affection for Pet Cemetery will go on until I die, Muschietti told EW earlier this year. I will always dream about the possibility of making a movie. Barbara Muschietti, Andy's sister and IT producer, added, It is the first Stephen King book that we read and something that has been a great love because it's possibly Stephen King's most personal book. You can imagine his young family. What would you be able to do to keep your family? How far would you go? It has currently garnered $666 million worldwide as of Halloween, and other works by the horror novelists that are currently in production include The Dark Tower, Netflix's Gerald's Game, and 1922, and TV's Mr. Mercedes. So, um, I saw Starry Eyes, uh, and I I, want to withhold full judgment of Starry Eyes uh, because, you know, I I think that there was a limited budget, but um, I, I really liked the concept um, of it. So I'm going to hold out hope for that. And I think that there is definitely room for a remake of Pet Cemetery um, out there. So let's, you know, I mean, I, I do think that a Del Toro, I don't know. I don't know how Del Toro would do. I don't know if he can go as bleak um, as Pet Cemetery needs to. Although with the Devil's Backbone, he. Uh, does a great job at really balancing that that magical realism. Although Pan's Labyrinth has a really sad ending, but I, I think that there's such a despair in um, in Pet Cemetery. Uh, Del, Del Toro is too gleeful in his works. You know, he he takes joy. There's there's so much enthusiasm um, in 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 what he does that I, I just I I think that's the wrong tone. I think that it needs to have a very tonishing tone. And then we have um, from contactmusic.com, and this actually was, uh, I got this news from our friends over uh, at, at uh, Stephen King Podcast, Lou and Lilia. I saw this link. From <clears throat> Contact Music, uh, and the article states, when Stephen King's It was first adapted for the screen in the form of a miniseries, Tim Curry took on the central role of the monstrous evil that was Pennywise. He made it for a fantastic villain and helped to cement King's story as one of the most frightening the world had ever seen. Last year, a whole new generation of horror fans would get to experience Pennywise with the big screen release of It from directors uh, Andy Muschietti. Uh, expectations were high and everyone involved delivered in a big way, so much so that we're now expecting a sequel to come to cinemas at some point in 2019. Following the confirmation by Warner Brothers and New Line that they would be working on It, Chapter 2, 
came confirmation that Bill Skarsgård would be returning, following his brilliant take on Pennywise as well as director Bushi Yeti. The status of the child actors isn't something we know yet, as the movie's expected to pick up with the original Losers Club when they're all enjoying adult life, as is the case of the original novel. We'll soon be finding out exactly who's been cast to play the grown-up versions of the Losers, however, as production on Chapter 2 has been confirmed for the coming summer. Omega Underground reports that those working on the sequel hope to start filming this June with cast and crew heading back to Toronto, Canada to get through stage work at Pinewood Toronto Studios. Port Hope is also expected to be used once more in place of the fictional town Derry. Jessica Chastain is someone who's expressed an interest in joining the sequel, hoping to pick up the role of the older version of Beverly, and director Muschietti has also said that he'd be behind bringing her um, on board. Whether that's something that actually remains to be seen, is something that remains to be seen, but the filmmakers and his crew are going to have to work very hard to bring the chemistry back for the sequel that we saw among the kids in the 2017 release. Um, so... My thoughts on that is I'm excited that filming will um, uh, be, be starting soon, and I can't wait until we start getting into the, the, the rounds of casting. And honestly, guys, I really hope that they get Jessica Chastain. I think that she would be phenomenal in the role. And um, so, guys, that's really... Um, that is all that I've got uh, for this particular episode. Like I said, uh, it, I just wanted to let you all know that I'm still alive, and I just wanted to say hi, everyone. Um, and we do have a lot of good stuff coming up for you in the, the next few months. So um, as soon as we do get confirmation on some sort of, of IT casting, I will be there for that. If we get any more news on Castle Rock, I'll be there for that. Um, but also, guys, um, if you haven't done so, head on over to Cotet uh, 19 um, so you can order some T-shirts because Matt has been um, pumping out some some really cool stuff lately. And um, if you want Captain Trips, I Survived Captain Trips T-shirt, or if you want um, Shawshank Redemption-inspired um, uh, T-shirts and hoodies, um, th then this is the place for you. He's currently been working with the, the, the Champion Company uh, to produce some long sleeves, and they all look great. So if you want your Stephen King swag, um, head on over to, to Cotet19 and, and get all your, your Stephen King swag for, for 19 bucks uh, in a lot of cases. So um, I have a drawer full of nothing but Stephen King T-shirts because I'm addicted to the website, and um, I'm addicted to those shirts, and they're, they're definitely worth it. So head on over there. If you haven't done so already, feel free to leave me a, uh, a review on iTunes because I can't do it without you guys. Um, um, you know, the, the more reviews I get, the, the, the higher up on the, the, the search engine for iTunes the Stephen King cast is. And as always, feel free to write in at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com and share all your thoughts on Stephen King. So, guys, I don't know when the next episode will come, but it will come. And in the meantime, may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I'll see you here next time where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast. News talking about news. Hey, Michael Che, did you hear today? That's all in the